Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Oh, we're not doing Spanx anymore, guys. We're not doing Spanx anymore. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I am Grand Bray Curious with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I was shushing the COVID out of the room with a towel. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You bump knees? Where do they do this? Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. Friends, you're going to be amazed. But before we start talking, we're going to do our new bit mailbag. And we're not going to forget this time. And then five minutes in, be like, oh, no, no, wait, mailbag. We're starting with mailbag, guys. This week, Betsy from Colorado wrote to us. Betsy says she introduced the show to her friend Sarah. Now, anytime she reaches out to Sarah with struggles, Sarah replies back in all caps, quoting our episodes. We are all operating at a very high level, or perhaps at this point we are encountering everyone's worst coping strategies. Betsy's son has cancer, and in late November, early December, he relapsed. And Betsy's group of friends, she says, went in and got my husband and I Christmas gifts, knowing that that diagnosis pretty much ensured we weren't going to have mental capacity to buy each other anything for Christmas. Sarah got me and my husband a down blanket and coffee thermoses and a card that told me the only way to survive this, like all other winterings, was like a Danish baby. Every once in a while when the sun is shining, I'll get a text. Betsy, today is great Danish baby weather. Find some sunshine. What a nice friend. What a moving letter. Thank you for writing to us. Thank you, Betsy and Sarah. And we're picturing you outdoors in your Danish baby wonderland all winter long. And we're also sending our thoughts and prayers for your son, of course, as are everyone listening to this. Take a minute. Send a good vibe out there for Betsy's son if you're listening. So this week, we're going to talk about the silver linings of this pandemic, I guess I would say, like the things we are never going to go back to because actually it turns out this way was better. There are a few. Oh, there is a ton, actually. I mean, <laughs> there's a ton. I don't even know that it's silver lining. I'm silver lining a verse, basically, because, you know, that thing of like, oh, actually, it's great. Yeah, it's not that great. But there are certain things that we're never going back to, Amy, and that's going to be a relief. Yes. And I think there are small blessings, maybe not silver linings as much as like small wins. And they're the things that we will not be returning to, pandemic or no. This topic came from Julie in our Facebook group. She posted this. What are you never going back to doing in the after times? 
She says, for example, I'm never going back to grocery shopping for myself or wearing regular bras. So we thought this was a great topic. I love the after times. I have been using the term before times because now that we're almost a year into this, I'll say, oh, you know, last Easter, we blah, blah, blah. Last Easter, we did nothing because we were in a pandemic. So I'm like, yes, in before times Easter, we did this because it's too confusing to calculate the years because there's a lost year in there. There's something very dystopian YA novel about like the after times, like the happening. And we don't need to say pandemic or COVID anymore. It's just that thing that happened that we all right. The thing that happened in the before times and the after times. And we know what we're talking about. A lot of people voting for bras, Amy. Okay, you know, it's funny. I want to hear more about the bras. Danielle says my lounge bras were all in the wash and I had to put on a regular bra with an underwire. And OMG, there is no going back to regular bras. Danielle. Same. I had the exact same experience. I mean, one of the problems that we're having in the pandemic, right, is why do laundry? Normally, it's a lot of changing clothes. I'm like, I guess I'll just wear these same pants that I left by the side of the bed last night again. I was a big fan of that before this, like laying out the clothes before you go to bed. And, you know, when you're home with little kids and kind of nobody saw you anyway, just putting the same clothes back on. Not indefinitely. Wait, you don't mean laying out your clothes like laying out clean clothes. I'm talking about just picking up the pants I took off from the floor. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't throw them on the floor. I lay them over a chair and then I put them back on in the morning. Oh, yeah. No, I just step out and I'm like, oh, here's a convenient puddle of pants right where I left them. And I just put those back on. My sister says it's the big lie, you know, when you're really stuck at home with little kids that you put on different clothes for the daytime. It's just helping yourself think there might be a difference between day and night. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I've really committed. I'm Pants with buttons are going to be quite a thing for me to revisit because... Yeah, I've given up on them. But I had this exact same experience. I don't do laundry, but the one problem is I run out of bra. So I like to wear a bra even. I know people are anti-bra. I like to wear a bra even, you know, yeah. when I'm home. I don't like the feeling of walking around without a bra. It's not my thing. I don't like the look of me without a bra on. It's I don't even care about how I look. I just don't find it a comfortable experience. I'm a never nude, as we've talked about on the podcast. I Maybe I'm very uptight, but I like to be tucked in tight. I don't know. I just I don't care for it. But I have committed to only non-underwire t-shirt bras. I feel that small-chested women would describe this as a bralette. And larger-chested women would describe this as a lounge bra. Lounge bra. Yes. So we're pro. I agree that any kind of restrictive garment I just can't see ever being in my life again. Yeah, like what about Spanx? The last time I wore Spanx was mm, a year and a half ago now at this point, right? year? Yeah, I mean, the last time I wore Spanx was uh, 10 years ago, probably. <laughs> so that hasn't been a huge problem for me. But yeah, like restrictive clothing, not interested. And do you think, I mean, will we go back though? Like if you're like walking around with your lounge bra and, you know, no Spanx, at the meeting and then like can we all just agree I feel like this will go better if we all agree we're not doing Spanx anymore oh we're not doing Spanx anymore guys we're not doing Spanx anymore can we just like nobody ruin it for the rest of us I don't know if you want to put a Spanx on for a wedding because you have a dress that lays better I I, I don't have a fight (laughs) with you but I think we should all women folk especially just dial it down from here on out I'm at a very particular age for this like I was already letting go of some of these things anyway like Mm. I'm not I mean 15 years ago I could pretty much pull off a great look at a wedding with enough you know tape and spanks and heels and so is it an age thing I mean no one's looking at me for what I'm wearing anymore I'm ready to like 
to transfer into my like hippie mama, you know, flowy garments, lounge bra look. I was ready to embrace it in the pandemic. A lot of my friends have stopped coloring their hair during the pandemic. Oh, let's talk about that because that's I'm so like grombre curious. Have you heard of this? This is a hashtag on Instagram grombre with people who are growing out their gray hair. You know what ombre hair color is? I do. It's sort of, you know, like, so there's grombre and it's like people who are growing out their gray and it actually looks good. And of course, the people who are fronting for it on Instagram tend to look fantastic doing it. I guess if you didn't look great doing it, you would just dye your hair. I have a lot of gray hair because it just runs in my family. I've been dyeing my hair since my 20s. And I am grombre curious, but it gets to a point that I'm just not brave enough. I got about six weeks in this time, thanks to the pandemic, and then dyed it. Yeah, I haven't dyed my hair since the pandemic, but it's mostly because I just haven't been wanting to go to a salon. And I think I have an appointment next month. Like, I'm over it now. I'm <laughs> Listen, I think that you should do what makes you feel good. And what makes me feel good is lounge bras and having pretty hair. Like, that's my combination. It's like a, what do you call it? It's a mix and match plate, you know? And so I don't want to be full gray. And my hair is blonde brown. You can grombre it pretty successfully. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize that it's gray. It looks kind of blondish if I had it done correctly. Mm-hmm. But when I just like throw it back in a ponytail, I get like the springy grandma hairs in the front and I don't care for that. I'm not ready and I may never be. I mean, my mom maintained her hair until forever. <laughs> and so I don't know that I would want to have fully gray hair, but I have a lot of friends who've done it and look. Great. Well, I'll tell you what else I've learned during the pandemic, which is you think that like hair coloring is complicated, that it's a little messy, but it's like not a big deal. I've colored my hair now 10 times since the pandemic started to do it myself or my daughter helps me paint the little part in the back. She's artsy. She's good with the paintbrush. Well, she's also learning a skill, Amy. That's important. She's learning a trade, hairstyling. And so... It's, yeah, like, is it nicer to go read a magazine or look at your phone while somebody else does it? Yes. Is it, like, so impossible you just have to wait? No, it's not at all. See, I do my hair with the foils, and I don't want to try that at home. I do the foils. Oh, the foils. It's the thing and the thing. I don't do a single process, so it's a thing. It's a thing and a thing. It's a thing and a thing. (laughs) Let's move on to a topic we've already debated. We have put it out there. People have gotten back to us. What are we doing about the handshakes, people? Oh. Natalia says, handshakes don't want those and we agree that we don't want to go back to handshaking i have suggested hands in front of the heart with no bow and amy has advocated for finger guns and winking finger guns in a wink i don't think that's correct i feel that that's not right we had a listener clap back that we shouldn't we talked about elbow bumps and this was on instagram sorry i forgot who you were but i thought this was excellent to point out that if we're going to sneeze into our elbows then elbow bumps are bad too i don't want elbow bumps i don't want to raise my armpit to another human being I don't want <laughs> elbow bumps. It's just as bad as a handshake as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. 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 It's way too intimate elbow bumping. I would rather do the knee thing that they do, you know, some places like the knee bump. You bump knees? Where do they do this? Oh, you haven't seen it. Like in the rainforest. I don't know. There was like hashtag a way back at the beginning of the pandemic. People were like kicking each other in the calves, basically to greet each other. I believe in China. It was you would see people doing it online. I would rather that than the elbow bump. Do we have to touch each other? I mean, I think like, you know, touch is nice, but I don't need a stranger touching me. No, mine is a non-touching event and both yours is as well. But finger guns, I just feel like there's too much bad history in the finger bumping lexicon to move forward with that. 
if we are such strangers to each other that we need to indicate that with something physical, I don't know why that would have to involve touching. I like hands in front of your heart because it says that's what I do because I in the course of the pandemic have been at whatever some series of events and your instinct to kiss and hug and shake hand it's very strong and so I also find that the hand in front of the heart like hi it's good to see you while I understand it's a little namaste adjacent and problematic in that way it also sends a signal there will be no touching which I enjoy (laughs) hi nice to meet you come no closer as do finger guns to be fair yeah Stay back. That's what those like in a friendly way. Stay over there, dude. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're right. It's very like I'm shooting you. Please don't approach. I don't believe we have met. You're not touching me, though. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Keep the suggestions coming, friends, because (laughs) we're working on that. I don't feel like we solved that. We clearly do not have an answer. Here's one that I really like from Andrea. No more wedding industrial complex. I love all the sweet, intimate weddings that happened. I'd love to see more of those. Yes, I agree. My favorite Christmas card of 2020 out of the many, many, many that I received was a friend of mine, her oldest, got married and their Christmas card was the bride's family and the groom's family and the bride and groom standing on the front porch of the house like that was their wedding they had you know six people at the wedding their immediate families the most beautiful photo the most radiant couple the most beautiful happy day like i just loved that card so much in amidst all the like well didn't this year suck which my card was also like that in an adjacent category where we have kids birthday parties that they can be joyous and small Again, I just think we've realized we don't... My daughter's birthday is on Sunday, and she's going to have an Among Us party where she and her friends play Among Us on Zoom, and it's fine. And then at some point, I was like, I'll go get cupcakes and drop them. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, find a treat in your fridge, and we'll all sing happy birthday, and we'll play some Among Us on Zoom. It's fine. And I would love to see... I mean, it's hard to say, because I had a big wedding, and maybe they're fun, but... I do think that we should scale back on all of this crazy. I mean, I have two weddings on my calendar for November. Not my own, obviously, like my cousins and then somebody that my husband works with. (laughs) You have to get divorced between now and November to make your... (laughs) Guys, I'm renewing my vows and you're all invited in Hawaii. But two weddings in November and I am clinging to those like a life raft, like dancing people, open bar, like we're going to do it. So I'm really looking forward to that. But there's an option available, which is on your front porch with your mom and dad. I don't know. Yeah. And it's I'm out of wedding season right now. I'm between my friends are all married and our kids are not getting married yet. So I'm kind of in a sweet spot where I go to like one super fun wedding a year, which is fine. Yes. And again, if this is the thing that brings you joy, great. But if you're just like slogging with like a wedding planner and like picking stuff that doesn't matter to you, this is a great time to be like, it's also okay to get married on my porch with my parents and my spouse. That's the thing. Like everything that we thought was for gone and had to be a certain way we're now realizing well it doesn't have to be that way we just always did it that way and i'm never going back to that never going back we'll be right back margaret exciting news i am about to have a new baby nephew and believe it or not this will be my 13th nephew amy you're ready to give up your amateur status you're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point our family has seen a lot of babies and as soon as they start standing or walking 
I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, here's something that is definitely better, and I'm never going back to the way it was, that at least half of our doctor visits can be telehealth. So much better. Yeah, this should be like 90% of doctors. Why didn't we think of this one before? Because dragging oneself or one's child to the doctor for what is, I mean, I would say I've been to the doctor you know, hundreds of times in my life, let's say dozens of times in my life where it was, okay, we'll give them some Tylenol, it'll be fine. It's an ear infection. Yes. And there's no reason we can't be doing a lot of this stuff without taking kids places. My daughter just had to start some physical therapy for her sort of like long COVID recovery. And anyway, we did one appointment. I had a schlepper across town. We live in New York City. So, you know, that's always a hassle. And then this physical therapist said to us like, okay, now that we've met and I've assessed your baseline, we're going to do our next, you know, 16 appointments are going to be telehealth. I'm like, what? (laughs) From our house, you know, she just has to call in and Zoom and do like her exercises with this woman every Tuesday afternoon. And I don't have to take her across town. I'm so excited. And I live in suburban New York. The doctor is, you know, at most 10 minutes away. But my husband is from town outside of San Antonio in Texas, quite far out. And Amy says this, and I know her because she's from my husband's hometown, friend of ours, that she has been driving hundreds of miles to specialists because she's in a tiny town. So she's driving to the big city 
which is probably 60 miles away, to go see a doctor. And that why were we doing that? This seems like it makes so much more sense. There are stuff, I just had my yearly physical. I went in, I saw my doctor, we were masked, the whole thing. My husband had a scan for something the other day. There are things you have to go to the doctor for, but there are so many things you don't have to go to the doctor for. I used to drive my daughter to Boston to talk about her migraine headaches. And yeah, it would be like, okay, well, let's keep it going like you're doing. And it was five hours each way. Right. You just went to Boston. (laughs) Right. There was an American Girl store nearby, which was always, you know, worth the trip in itself. But yeah, it was a hassle that we're not going to go back to anymore. And that doctor, P.S., doesn't need to be exposed during flu season to 40 different sniffling children per day. Maybe just the 10 that actually need to be seen. This is genius. I'm going to say on a similar jaunt, Amy, that my family has been Zooming. Yeah. Once a week. And we do Sunday night cocktails, six o'clock at night. We do cocktails with the fam. Is this kids too? I wanted to know who's on this call. It's my dad who lives in Florida. My brother's in Chicago. My sister's in Los Angeles. My sister's in Brooklyn and myself. And then the kids play uh, cameo roles. Well, my brother has grown kids. So those kids are in New Jersey and California. I mean, we're scattered all over the place. And... The littler kids, my kids and my sister's kids who are all 12 and under, they make cameo appearances. You know, they'll kind of run by, did anyone see the football game or look at this new Fortnite dance I learned? And they make Mm. like light cameos. And every once in a while, my 12 year old got into it for a while. He's like, I'm going to join for my own computer. But, you know, he kind of dominates the conversation about Fortnite. So we keep that a little under control. Yeah. But I will keep that going. And I think especially for my dad, who... You know, he travels a ton. He sees us in the before times, but it's just really nice to do once a week. And on my husband's side of the family, we also have been doing Zooming and it's people we often get together with twice a year, you know, and it's really fun to have a weekly date. And did I already share my Zoom cooking tip for the holidays? Yes, you did. Did, yes, and I forget who it was. Somebody in my family told me that they did it with their extended in-laws and really liked it. Go ahead, tell everybody again. So we basically just like opened a Zoom room and everybody kept a camera in their kitchen. And when they were cooking, you would walk in and you would look at the Zoom and one other person would be like cooking at their stove and you would talk like, oh, what are you doing? I'm making gravy or our green beans are going to have cashews this year. We usually do almonds, whatever it was. And so it was very laid back. It was just a way to visit. And my husband was frying turkey. So he was outside. He had his going and I'm not saying, you know, we'll never travel anymore. This is how we'll do the holidays from now on. But it has been a nice way to really stay connected with family. And in some ways, we are much more, you know, especially like my nieces and nephews who we don't, you know, I don't call them on the phone. We don't catch up like, oh, it's nice to see where they live and what they're up to. It's been fun. I think we'll keep the Zooms going. I think we need to lean in at least in my family, lean in a little more. Like it's starting to work better as we get sort of less formal about it. We are on the phone. Yes. Oh, it's so key. Right. So my husband called his parents the other night and it was after dinner. And like he had the phone set up kind of weird so you could like kind of see half of his cheek and then like the bowl of oranges on the table. (laughs) It wasn't a well-placed Zoom. And again, like the kids were walking by and, you know, I kind of said something and my mother-in-law was like, oh, hey, Amy. And I I leaned into the frame. Hi. And, you know, we just kind of talked about whatever. And it wasn't the like 
Sunday church, everybody used to be in their pew at 10 a.m. staring at the camera and then not being able to think of anything to say. I think we've sort of done it less frequently and made it everybody has to sit here. And then it's just sort of sad because nobody has anything to say. But if you do it more and in a more relaxed, drop by way, I don't know, the expectations are lower. And so the reward is higher. Yeah. And I've done it with like my roommates from college. And you think, okay, we would never have just called each other randomly and said, let's get on a Zoom call and chat. But it's been because Zoom has become a thing that everybody does now. It's been really, really nice. You know, we're in D.C., Connecticut, California, and just to really catch up on what's going on with the four of us sitting around and having a beer. It was super fun. I'm for it. I'll tell you, this is Something that Zoom has been great for, something I will keep doing. My sister, who lives in Pennsylvania, found a sign language class online. And again, like she would have said, do you want to take this? Well, we couldn't have taken a class together because we live in different states. But even if, say, she was up the street six to eight on Wednesday nights, like, I don't think so. I have three kids, right? But it's on Zoom. So she and I and my 18-year-old niece are taking this sign language class together on Zoom. And, you know, if I'm, like, finishing up the dinner for the kids, I can just turn my camera off and leave the, you know, mute myself, but leave it on. And I'm learning sign language with my sister and my niece. And then we have a Zoom separately where we practice what we're learning. And that would never have been possible for me if it was only in the real world. So I'll never go back to taking, like, adult learning class on Wednesday nights, you know, at the local college in person because I was never doing that anyway, but I'll definitely keep doing it online. Yeah. And this segues for us into working from home. Yeah. Jennifer says she's hoping her employer continues to allow the amazing flexible schedule they've been allowing, been able to say, I'll get X, Y, and Z done this week rather than nine to five. Mm. Erica says never going back to full-time commuting. And I think that this is going to be really interesting to see how this develops. One of the things that I find is that I have a job that I do for an organization and we've been putting together a project and it's the kind of thing where in the before times I would have been getting in my car driving to the office and then some of it involves stuff that's happening in New York City getting on the train going to meet with people and we're doing it all via zoom and there is no reason we would yeah. need to be in the same room. I mean, it's such a revelation that their office is probably 25 minutes away from me. So it's not onerous. Jump over. It's a beautiful drive. Go over there. The city is like, oh, I'll go once a month and check in with people. But it's like I'm humping into the train and the subway and getting downtown. And it's so unnecessary. And I hope that for a lot of people that their jobs are able to stay a little bit more flexible. My husband and I actually both worked from home before this started. So it's been interesting for us because we didn't change. Yeah. You know, we didn't have that big shift. But my husband, when he went remote at his company, because we moved back to New York and his company was in California, they were very reluctant about it. And they have been really happy to basically when he went remote, you know, they changed over what they were doing in general so that everyone's kind of more remote because they saw, oh, we don't have to be doing this. We don't have to be like walking in at nine o'clock and pouring ourselves coffee and sitting at desks. Yeah. And I think that's why if we're going to go to a more remote thing long term, it has to be more what Jennifer's saying. Like, you're not here at nine and leave at five and you're kind of like getting your purse out on your desk by 445 because you're like out of here. You do these eight things this week when you can do them. That's probably for many, many companies a more effective way for employees to work, too, in terms of productivity. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see. And I have a lot of friends who, you know, used to travel 
tons for work. Well, your husband used to travel tons for work. A ton. So we talked about this. So like his example that we always talk about is he had to go to Santa Fe to pitch a business. So we live in New York City. So it was a day flying to Santa Fe, a day, you know, pitching the business and getting used to the time change and a day flying home. So three days for the business. And he's his sort of takeaway is it is more useful for me to be in the room like 15, 20% probably more effective for me to be there in person saying you should do this than to do it over Zoom. But it's three days that I could be doing other things, right? Instead of two hours. So it doesn't, if you can have five more meetings in those two other days, then there's no question that this is usually the better way to do it. Yeah. And that people are, can be responsible for their own time and And you don't have to do the handshake thing. You don't have to come up with anything else. If we never leave, if we never actually ever meet anybody in person ever again, we won't have to do the handshake thing. That will be really, really nice. And commuting, it does. Once it's, I always used to say this about household appliances because I lived for many years in, you know, studio apartments, no dishwasher, no this, no that. But once you get it, it's very hard to go back. It's not hard to live without a dishwasher until you've had a dishwasher. Yes. It's just very hard to have had a dishwasher. Yes. And so I had an apartment for years without a dishwasher and I didn't really notice. I just washed my dishes and it was fine. No big deal. I'm also one person eating. But then I got an apartment that had a dishwasher and the minute I saw it, I thought, well, I'm done. There's no going back now. Like now I'm going to be a person who needs a dishwasher. (laughs) And I think that the pandemic has a lot of that. Like once you have stopped riding a train for two hours a day as a part of your daily life and like crushing your body onto a subway with like 250 other frustrated people. Yes. Oh God, I forgot about that. I you know, worked in right before we started the podcast, I had a job in the city. I was like, you know, getting on the train. There's nowhere to sit. Can I squeeze in there? You know, sitting in between two people, reading my phone, getting off, getting on the subway, crushing in. I mean, it's going to be really hard to want to do that again. Yes, it is. Here's something I'm going to keep. I'm going to side with Sarah on this, that in the after times, I'm still going to wear a mask sometimes. To my shock, I have found out I'm not so much a Danish baby as a Danish walker. Like, I like being out every day in the cold, and I like to keep moving. I mean, I'm in New York City, so it's not like I have, like, a beautiful backyard to sit in. So I just go, like, walk around for a while. The mask is, like, I'm warmer with the mask on. Hello? Like, my nice warm air keeps my face warm in the very cold. It's kind of nice. I also have to say that hat, mask, and glasses, <laughs> I like the anonymity. I live in a small town, and I like the people in my town, but there are. It's, sometimes it's nice, especially, you know, I haven't brushed my hair, and I haven't put any makeup on. I just put on a mask, hat, and sunglasses, and I'm basically the invisible man. Like, I can do my errands in complete anonymity, and there's something kind of nice about that. It's like a kid's book about like three kitty cats in a trench coat, right? Is it that or is it a person? I can't tell. Exactly. And it's just very (laughs) freeing to think. And then, of course, what always happens is I run into people and then I'm saying hello to them and waving and they're just like, that is the invisible man saying hello to me. I have no idea who that person is. Isn't that crazy? My daughter's school had to go remote. They've been going successfully in person almost the whole year, which is amazing, with, of course, the masks and distancing, et cetera. Anyway, they just did had to do online school for two weeks. She said she looked nothing like what this teacher, what my daughter thought she would look like, and the teacher the same thing. That's funny. So that's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, not you know missing the bottom half of each other's faces, but not necessarily bad, just weird. Yeah, that is. Not necessarily bad, just weird. A theme <laughs> for the year. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And now, RSVPs in the COVID aftertimes. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Come join us for a fifth birthday extravaganza at the Disco Jumperoo Trampoline Park. Parental supervision is required, and we've reserved four full hours of jump time. Yeah, we are totes not available for that event, but I am prepared to offer you a drive-by past your house where me and the kid wave to you for one full minute before throwing a present on your lawn. First, Holy Communion is upon us. We'll be having a service at the church, which should run about an hour and a half, and then a reception that will last way into the afternoon. So I'd like to request the Zoom option. It's my destination bachelorette weekend in Vegas, ladies. Woo! Listen, if you want me there, you'll make it bra optional and sweatpants friendly. Travel soccer is back, and this year we'll be journeying to take on a host of challenging teams within a 150-mile radius. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and stick with Wii Soccer. You should see my kid. He's incredible. OMG, my boyfriend's electro dance metal band is playing at this club in the city at 11 p.m. on Thursday night, and you have to come. No, it's good. no, no, I refuse. Will not be there. Never. This is never going to happen. This has been RSVPs and the COVID Aftertimes. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, are we going back to the sports and activities? Molly says, got an email yesterday telling me registration is over for Little League, and it filled me with dread. And she's not wrong. I mean, I miss doing some of those things, but I am amazed how much I don't miss doing most of those things. Our weekends now are sort of like, what are we doing this weekend? Like, 
nothing. Like I look at my calendar and there's nothing on it where it used to be. We just, yeah, we were prisoner to the ballet workshop, double rehearsal and the travel soccer game an hour and a half away. It just, yeah. And it's all just gone. And I don't miss spending my weekends in parking lots. I worry that I over don't miss it. So my kids are in Boy Scouts and it was the Boy Scout ski day. So the Boy Scouts all meet at a ski place here and go skiing for the day. And we had bought tickets a long time ago. And then I realized, oh, wait, this is skiing where you can't go inside. Like you don't go into the lodge. You have to be in your car, I guess, if you want to warm up. It's supposed to be a really, really cold day. Oh, a nightmare. The only good thing about skiing is the fire in the lodge. Right, the lodge and the hot chocolate. No, none of that was going to be happening. And so on Thursday night, And we had committed to spending the night in a motel the night before because I cannot get up early in the morning. I mean, talk about never going back. Like, I'm just like, I can't wake up to an alarm. It's too painful. Yeah. And the tickets, you know, skiing is so stupid expensive. It makes me crazy. So we had we were a couple hundred dollars in on this day. It was the only thing we've done, you know, in months. But. I sat down, my husband, on Thursday night, and I said, I really don't want to do it. I don't want to go. I don't I don't want to have a plan. I don't know what it was. It was a combination of worried about COVID and then just the idea of being cold. And it just seemed like a nightmare. And I desperately tried to convince my husband not to go. And he basically said, we're way too far into this thing to pull up stakes. We can leave early. But he said, I'm not going to not go. And we had the greatest time. The greatest time. Like, oh, good. We went up, spent the night in a motel that, you know, we just walked in with no contact with anybody. I aired it out with my towels. Like, I was shushing the COVID out of the room with a towel, which I believe the CDC is, you know, says those are, that's exactly how it works. (laughs) That's good. Oh, that's good. I'm going to put that in my quiver, that arrow. I didn't know about that. I was rinsing everything down, you know, whatever. And then, you know, skiing, for all that it's annoying, is a great all-day outdoor, all-family activity. My kids, are we don't know how to ski, but they kind of got the hang of it, and they were having a ball, and we ended up having a great time. And it was a little bit of a reminder to me that I have a little bit of an instinct of stay completely still and you will be relaxed, you know, and I've always been anti-activity as anyone who listens to the podcast. I don't like to have six activities on a weekend, but I think it's bringing out a little bit of my like inner troll where I'm like, I like sitting on my couch indoors and I don't want to in the after times be so resistant to doing anything that I'm denying ourselves fun. I was so expecting you to say that it was horrible in 10 ways. It's actually nice to hear that it was fun and good because we've talked about this for all the saying, like, as soon as it's all clear, we're going to you know race outside and be jumping and hugging each other in huge parties. And of course, there isn't going to be no all clear siren. It's going to be the like, I guess if it maybe if you might and if you do this and we're going to return to things slowly and probably pretty reluctantly. But it doesn't mean we should never do anything. It doesn't mean always like staying home under the blanket is better than going skiing. I just think for myself, I need that perspective of don't be so worried about going back to things. Like I feel like, I mean, skiing is the worst activity. There was so high maintenance. It's cold. And let me tell you, here's my advice about skiing, because Amy heard a earful with me about why we don't ski. It's expensive. Mostly because it's stupid expensive, but it's cold and then the boots hurt and then everyone's miserable. And my husband and I have a joke that the Bronx Zoo, which is our local zoo here, is where marriages go to die. Because whenever you're at the Bronx Zoo, it's just 
couples fighting. Like everyone is miserable at <laughs> the Bronx Zoo. And then David turned to me about halfway through the ski trip and he's like, oh, this is worth it in the Bronx Zoo. Like every couple is just like, where's her pole? I thought you had. Everyone's just fighting and miserable and cold. But what I really realized this time is the other times we've gone, my kids have been much littler. My kids are 8, 10, and 12. Mm-hmm. That's a great time to start skiing. And they're not going to be good skiers, you know, because the kids who started two are going to be great skiers. But there's no way we can afford to go skiing enough for them to be good skiers anyway. And so it just was like a revelation of, oh, if you wait until they can snap their own boots on, it's a lot easier than me, like, leaning over and screaming at my husband. Would you help me with these boots? Where's the boot? Like, yeah, like three, you can wait a little while. And then 40 is too old to learn to ski. Take it from me. Yeah, my mom learned at 40. And let me tell you, she was never that thrilled with it. Ashley says she's never going back to the amount of extracurricular activities they used to participate in. Has really enjoyed the freedom from shuttling our kids to ballet, soccer, birthday parties. We're really going to embrace saying, no, I can't attend your birthday party way beyond COVID. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to that stuff. I mean, my kids are old enough that missing sports seasons is kind of heartbreaking. You know, it's been the hardest part of it is not being able to do those things. They're not, you know, it's a little bit different than Little League. Like, we're the dinosaurs. Yay. And we have, you know, donuts when we're done. They're a little more serious about it. And so for them, it's been very hard. For me, it's been easy because I don't have to hang out in the parking lot all weekend. I think it's been really nice to see, though, the break from... Things that are, I mean, things that are passions are different than things that are activities. And I think that that's the break where you're going to figure out, okay, ballet is something we're dragging people to because it's an activity as opposed to, you know, my kid has a passion for gymnastics and we've kept going masked and distanced and all the things, but he's kept going to gymnastics the entire time because gymnastics is a big thing for him it's something that he's very passionate about but I don't miss at all the like brownie troop stuff you know and my kid has continued Boy Scouts and that's done by Zoom and I think it's a good time to say what didn't fall away what is still a passion okay that you can go back to but you don't have to go back to like the kid needs to take two after school classes every week forever that every void is to be filled. This happened to me just last night. I was in our den and we have, it's called like an electric piano. It's like a synthesizer, but it's a pretty nice one. And two of my three kids had piano lessons for a while. They went away when the pandemic started. And now, of course, they're available over Zoom because everybody has pivoted. And I saw the piano last night sitting there with nobody touching it. And I thought, well, there's no like, hmm, we could just do the Zoom thing. There's no reason not to. And if they're not doing these other activities... And then I just had that moment and then that second thought of like, or we could not, or I could get rid of the piano because it just sits there and nobody touches it and they don't want to. And just because we could do that doesn't mean that we have to. Yeah, I think or I could just not is a good theme for the after times. Yeah, or I could just not is something. Maybe you could, but maybe you could just not. Right. I could wait for them to say that they want to do it, right? And rather than say like, I know what I can do with this free 90 minutes. Let's drop a piano lesson in there. Right. Let's fill it. Yeah. I want to touch on what Laura says because I thought it was really interesting. She says, my special needs kid is thriving at school with smaller class sizes, no homework, less changing of teachers and kids. I don't think this will last, but it was a good transition year for him without an aid. And I think for a lot of people, it's been a really good reckoning on how your kids learn. Yes. And sometimes negative. And for me, with three kids, it's been a mixed bag. I've got a kid who could clearly do Zoom school forever and would be fine, is very organized, is 
just easily engages with stuff. And then I have a kid for whom this time has brought out probably, you know, it's just shown a bright light on the things that he struggles with most, you know, because it's become, I had someone say this to me and it really opened my eyes. It's not college. They're not college. My kid's 10 years old. He's not ready to have a backpack where he remembers like, okay, I have to bring my history folder and my laptop and my charger. And then I don't need my art folder today because I don't have art today. Like that's a college level skill. It's at least a high school level skill of yes, making sure that you have the right thing for the right activity and changing that eight times a day. And it's been hard for my guy who's not organized and you know it's been a good chance to work on it and let's make a checklist and he checks it off and you know but I do think that watching and seeing how your kids have learned this year is a great thing to carry forward we have a whole episode about that what this has taught us about our kids I'll put the link in the show notes for this because you're right there are things to take away for the positive and the not so much Yeah. And on the flip side, I know a lot of people with special needs kids who are missing services and their IEPs aren't getting met. And so it's not that like this has been a great time for special needs kids. It's been if you know one person in the pandemic, you know, one person in the pandemic, including each of your kids are handling it differently. But I thought it was an interesting perspective. My seventh grader, something that she'll probably never go back to is to come to me for help with her homework or even her older brothers because they've gotten into this easy sort of, you know, group Zoom thing. Talk about like you were saying about like, let's make the turkey and we'll have a drop by Zoom. They kind of have like a drop by Zoom for homework and they kind of come in like, what did you get for number two? And what's this? And what pages do we have to read for English? And she has this sort of community. It's like they have a study hall almost and they've created it and she's getting work done with so much less checking with me. And I can hear her like giggling in there too. Like it's kind of good. And I think that she will keep doing things that way even when she's back at school in person. It's funny that you say that because the other day, my seventh grader, I heard a phone ringing. He was supposed to be doing homework and I'm kind of going to who's on the phone during homework time. And I realized he was calling his teacher through his computer at six (laughs) o'clock at night. I thought, that's crazy. But, oh, you know, is the test on this part or this second? Whatever. He asked her two questions and then got right off the phone. And I thought, you know, I don't know that the teacher needs to be available or maybe it was a hotline. I don't know what he was calling, really, but it was a teacher explaining something to him. And yeah, it's another good way to keep us out of it. And that leads me to Pamela, which I think... A lot of what we've learned is, she says, hopefully never going back to being cruise director for my kids. Free of hovering, my almost six and two year old boys have taken down our mantle decor and are currently redecorating the living room. A year ago, this would have been maddening, but now I have more patience. Don't get me wrong. The messes are still annoying, but never bother a happy quarantined person has become never bother a happily occupied kid. House be damned. Oh, yeah. Well said. I was having a conversation. I was a guest on another podcast talking to a woman who runs a progressive school, which basically means it's play-based learning, project-based learning. And she was saying, and we were having a discussion about how the pandemic has been great towards moving people towards this idea of let kids discover their own play. It doesn't always have to be like, okay, it's one o'clock. We'll go to the pool. Then we'll meet friends for a picnic. Then we'll come home. Then we'll all play Scrabble. Like that 
we've expressed it sometimes on the podcast as what's on the other side of boredom. But there is, even for my bigger kids, my oldest kid who, you know, if given his way, would play Fortnite for seven hours a day, has really discovered drawing, which led him into comic books. He's always been my reluctant reader and he's reading, you know, comic books all night. And it's just took downtime to discover these things. Yeah. And... I'm not saying it's easy because it's very annoying to be trapped in a house with unoccupied kids, but I hope that what I carry the most into the aftertimes is the kids are all right. They don't need a million activities to be the right kinds of kids. And that, you know, letting them explore and discover, even if it's messy and annoying, is part of my job. And as much as possible, even if it's cold, that should happen outside. Yeah, or at least happen offline. Right. Like the messy and annoying is what we have to put up with when they put the screens away and maybe some fighting and maybe some boredom and maybe some whining. But that's worth it because the redecorating the living room with what used to be in the mantelpiece, like that's what they're going to remember when they're 25. Remember that time we, you know, I used to make carnivals out of all my Fisher Price stuff with my brother. That's sort of my most salient memory of childhood. Not like when I watched the Brady Bunch that time. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that was also awesome. If it was the one where Marsha got hit in the nose with a football. Sometimes I'm not sure if it happened to me or to Marsha. My memories are so jumbled up. But yeah, I mean, it, there's a little bit of work for us. We can't just like all stay home and let them play Fortnite. 24-7, we do have to sort of encourage the growth comes when the screens are put away and there's a little bit of work there for us, but I'm not going back to, you have to have a piano lesson. Yep. Maybe we can just stop it, like turn that off now and figure it out. Yeah. I want to just completely finish on Dina's, who I know in real life. She's never using a curling iron, thinking of bronzing mine and using it as an antique relic on the mantle. It reminds me of those Facebook things like, if you know what this is used for, then you're too old. It'll be a curling iron and we'll all know. Yes. And I just love it. It's like (laughs) we used to heat our hair with these things to make them into special shapes. And I think, yeah, it's a great time to make like Elsa and let it go, people. The, you know, that thing that smushes your eyelashes to make them curl up. Yeah. I mean, that's gone. Let's get rid of a lot of this stuff. Put it on the mantle and bronzer. All right. We want to know what you guys are never going back to. And there's a bunch of ways you can tell us. You can go to our Facebook page and join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash what fresh Hellcast. And you can find us pretty much anywhere out there. TikTok, Twitter. We're on YouTube. All the things. All the What Fresh Hell content. So just Google us. Find us wherever your preferred social media place is. And please go and leave us a rating and review because it helps new listeners find the podcast. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. 
My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.